Hi, welcome back to the Audible. Kim Bocamber, John Kajemi with you. And John, boy, it's been a long time since we've been able to talk about something football-wise. It didn't happen two, three months before, a year before, whatever. We've actually got something that's on the calendar that was on the calendar that we got through over the weekend. I'm talking about the NFL draft. And, John, you look at this football team, and, and, and I think when the, for the most part, when I've looked at different comments about the Dolphins in the draft and everyone's getting grades and, and no one knows what, what these players are going to turn out to be, but you get grades anyway. But it seems like, I don't want to say completely universally, but almost universally, the Dolphins have gotten pretty high marks on what they've done and how they filled out their roster in the draft. And, and I would combine that, John, we've talked about it before, with the 10 players that they signed in free agency prior to the draft, you start to feel pretty good about how this team is shaping up. Now, having said that, these draft choices, you know, a lot of these draft choices are going to have to come in and, and prove that they're worth their, uh, you know, where they were selected. And, and some of them that were selected maybe later have to prove that they're better than, than what the number they were selected at. Well, I think you're right, Bo, and it starts at the top. Uh, you know, when you go and you have three draft choices in the first round and you pick fifth, 18th, and then you move, make a move to go back from 26 to 30, you want to be able to feel like you have pillars that are going to be around the Miami Dolphins franchise for a long time. And you want to be able to, to not only pick guys with, with great talent on the field, but great character that you can build around it, that, that you can draft leaders, future leaders of this football team. And I think the Dolphins really did that with Tua Tungabailoa at quarterback because he's the guy that everybody's had their kind of, uh, you know, bullseye on for a long time now, you know, for a couple of years, ever since he threw that game winning touchdown pass in overtime in the national championship game. He was a guy that was going to be, you know, a, a top one, two, three, four or five draft choice. And, you know, only because of his injuries that he slipped to five, quite honestly. So the Miami Dolphins were able to stand pat at number five, get the quarterback that they wanted and have the luxury now with Ryan Fitzpatrick of, either making that a true competition and the best guy wins or still making it a true competition and then gauging it by uh, the progress that Tua makes in the next couple of months in terms of being able to be ready to be the best he can be for training camp. So I think there's a lot of positives when you start at that position because yeah. that position is going to drive your football team. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's comforting right now. Uh, and, and I probably wouldn't have said this going into last season, but it's comforting to have, um, you know, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick on your football team. Just because we've had the chance to see him during a season. We haven't had a chance to really understand more of what Ryan Fitzpatrick was all about, you know, that we didn't know, you know, when we weren't, you know, watching, seeing him as close to close as we did, we were able to see last year in the game and in pre-games and just the way he carried himself out there. So it's really, you know, it's really for the Dolphins to have this. It's a, it's a, it's a big luxury right now. Uh, Josh Rosen, you know, what, where he's going to fit into that, uh, to that room time will tell, you know, he may be here. He may not be here, but I think when you look at it, it's clearly going in into this season, you know, he's your number three guy on, on the roster there. Now, whether he's going to be there or not, time will tell, but you know, you, I think you feel pretty good going into this season where you are and, and the unknown being, like you talked about, what is what is Tua's contribution going to be, if any, this year when it comes to playing in game time? Now, I think there's a number of different ways to look at it. Certainly, you look at him, and you know the one thing you hear over and over and over again is, well, you know, let him let him sit out the year and let him get let him get healthier. You know, the guys had guys had break injuries. You know, he's had high ankle sprains, he's had two high ankle sprains, he's had surgery, he's had the hip injury that was a fracture. And John, my, my feeling on those things are, 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 and I know the fracture is a little different because it's a, a hip thing, but you know, my my experience with with injuries and, and my own injuries and other guys I played with watching their injuries and how they came back, you know, when a break is healed, it's healed, right? You know, it's, it's not going to get better, you know, because it's you know if it's a hundred percent healed now, it doesn't mean that next year it's going to be a hundred percent stronger then than it is now. You know, it, it's, oh, I it's agree. One, I agree. It's, it's one thing if it's if it's one thing is if it's an ACL or a or, or an Achilles or some of those things where it's kind of soft tissue stuff and you're kind of not sure. But 
to me, when a bone is healed, it's healed. And, and you're not that susceptible to having it return again. I, I remember the first time I had my first knee surgery and, you know, and, and Tua talked about this a little bit. He said, you know, you know, once, once I went to the doctor, I said, doc, you fixed my knee. Yes. Is there, is, is it at risk now of being injured, more injury prone? He says, no, that thing is as good as new. As long as you rehab right and you get your leg strength up, it'll be good to go. And that was my rookie year and it never bothered me the rest of my career. And I had another one and had the same result with that. So, um, you know, the point I'm getting to is I'm not so sure that, you know, the, the, the reason for not playing Tua this year is the injury. I think the reason to me and the criteria that I would want to see to play Tua is what you talked about, the fact that he came in, was healthy to play, the, uh, to play in training camp and, and whatever pre-training camp they may have this year, whether it's an OTA week or, or a mini camp or whatever, or whether or not, you know, to me, the criteria to, to, to base whether, whether or when Tua should play should be when he's ready to play. If he's gone Absolutely. out there, if he's gone out there and after three weeks of the season, you're, you're looking at Ryan and you're going, you know, geez, you know, the guy we got sitting on the bench is, 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 is better than him, is more productive than him, gives us a better chance to win. Then I think that's when you make the decision, not so much based on my mind, John, on the state of the, of the injury. Now I'm saying that. Like I said, if he's ready to go out and compete at 100%, then to me it's just who's the better guy and stick him in, whether it's week one or week 15. Right. You make valid points in terms of all the things that the coaching staff and the head coach, Brian Flores, is going to have to discuss with his staff, with Chris Greer, with Tua, and with the quarterback room. Because this is not only an injury decision – that is probably at the top of the list because that's all we really talked about. But basically it comes down to a talent evaluation and how Tua is going to be able to function in this offense and with with the people around him. Does Tua make the team better? If it's yes, then he's playing. If, if you check off all the other boxes. I, I think you go back to last year and you look talent-wise. If you looked at Rosen and Fitzpatrick, Rosen was clearly the stronger arm. He, he was the younger guy. He, we thought at that time he might have a little bit uh, more mobility watching him in the preseason. At least he was able to run around and do the things that Fitzpatrick did as a 15-year vet. So you felt pretty good about him giving him that opportunity. But in reality, when you watched him play, he didn't make the team better. And he had the same cast of characters. Now, I will say that maybe the names on the back of the jerseys changed, but the talent evaluation at tackle, at either tackle or at wide receiver, really didn't change all that much. It wasn't that significant. So I think Tua kind of falls into that category. Yeah, you check the box health-wise, he's fine. You watch him, you monitor him, you look at him function, you look at him move. And if he gives the Dolphins the best chance to win on a much better roster this year than you anybody could argue that than last year, I don't. I think if you if you thought it was close, you're crazy with all the free agency moves the Miami Dolphins made and the way they strengthened their team in the draft. It goes down to: Are you the better quarterback? Do you give us a better chance to win? If the answer is yes, you're going to see whatever number on two is back in the huddle or in the shotgun playing quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, you know the funny thing. There's a couple funny things about the draft that that stuck me. One, when we were doing our virtual draft, um, and we were doing the the the, the, the quote pregame segment of, the, of our virtual draft on uh, on Thursday evening. Um, you know, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the screen on there and listening to to you and Travis do your thing there. And and lo and behold, you know, you look at you look at people that are watching that show, and 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 two is watching the show. <laughs> you know, two, two, two is on the computer watching the Dolphins uh, pregame or the Dolphins. I, I hope I spoke show. highly. I, sp- I hope I spoke highly of him. No, you did, and I, so but <laughs> so that's one thing is you know you you kind of feel like you know he had an inside track as to as to what he thought was going to happen because he was watching watching the pre. Now, no, who knows? Maybe he was watching some other stuff. But all I know is he showed up on on our board. So so that was one thing. And John, John the other thing, and it has nothing to do with playing football, but it does have something to do with playing football, was just watching him, and maybe this is just me, but watching him at his home, wherever he was for the draft, 
and comparing him and his family to everybody else that was that was that, that had these these, right. these virtual draft parties where you know you had guys slouching on the couch and I think one guy I saw was sleeping, one guy rolling on the floor. You saw someone they had too many people in there and it was kind of chaos. Well, you looked at Tua, he had he was dressed up in a suit. His mom and dad were sitting there next to him. They were disciplined behind him. His siblings, family, yeah. sitting yeah. in chairs, being very, you know, you know, very disciplined, you know, very clean, very disciplined. And, and you know, to me, you know, that you, you kind of look for snapshots of people's personality. And I just kept looking at going, man, here's a guy and a family that is committed, disciplined and organized. And, and you know, not that that's going to make him a, you know, a Hall of Famer, not that it's going to make him a pro bowler. But it just makes it, it for me. It just made me feel good about the family that he's coming from and right. the way they carry themselves. Look, he went from Hawaii to, to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. His whole family picked up their roots and moved right along with their son. And you know what? They're going to pick up their roots from Alabama, and I guarantee you, they're going to be right here with him, uh, providing support for him and that disciplined background that you just saw in that snapshot of his living room on draft night. Bo, there is no question that Tua Tungabailoa from a young age has been molded and crafted and formed to be the CEO of an NFL franchise. Yeah. Now, he may be uh, a CEO of a company when his playing days are over, but his discipline and the way that his family structure has been built and the position that he plays, he, he has been – Everything is that you need to be a leader of a franchise and molded into a quarterback and making decisions about not only yourself, but the people around you and the way you hold yourself and the way you answer questions and the way you walk down a hallway and the way you enter a room, the way you look at someone, the way you speak to someone has been molded from a young age. That's why not that not that every guy in, in the NFL ha has that makeup. There's different makeups that make you good. But as a quarterback and as the as the franchise leader, as everybody's looking at the Miami Dolphins and the first name they're going to say is Tua Tungavailoa. I mean, that's the first guy they're going to think of when he's finally named the starting quarterback, hopefully for 10, 12, 15 years. But he he has that makeup to be the leader of men. And that's why he was drafted by by this franchise and this organization to do so. No, it's been a, it's a little bit a long time since you went into training camp with uh, a good feeling about the I mean a really good feeling about the quarterback position, but I think I think we're there now. Now it's going to take time to see. Now along the line with it, you know, with that pick, I and mean, then the Dolphins had a lot of picks. They made some maneuvers, and uh, and certainly Tua, the impact of Tua is far and away the biggest thing that the Dolphins did. But you know, fifth round. You know, you, you, you've been sitting here and you're looking at J.K. Dobbins go by and you're looking at DeAndre Swift go by and you're looking at Jonathan Taylor go by. You go, man, one of those guys would look nice in that in that in that running back room. Uh, but the Dolphins in the fifth round kind of stand around, stand around, drop a fifth round draft pick in the 49ers and get Matt, Matt Breida, which to me, John, was kind of those one of those, you know, kind of maybe I don't want to say under the radar, but it was just kind of a an oh, by the way. But oh, by the way, I thought that was a really, a really critical and 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 big big move uh, by Chris Greer to, to make that trade. The 49ers have picked up a running back. They figured one's available. And when you look at Breida with the 49ers, they averaged over six yards of carry while he was there for two years. And last year, the beginning of the year, he was their featured running back. A lot of big plays early on. He's an ultra quick guy. Not really the most shifty guy, but but if he gets to the second level. He can go, and I, and I just thought that, that that pick at that time really kind of completed the draft for the Miami Dolphins and really put him in a good position from a running back standpoint. Not, not that Look, not, not that he's going to be the guy that's going to get all the carries, but I think when you add him to, uh, to Jordan Howard, Patrick Laird, uh, and, and you know those guys that, uh, that, that are they're still in that running back room, you got a pretty good group, a crew in there to get the two or three guys that can play multiple positions and give you multiple things from that running back spot. Well, I won't say it's as valuable as any other pick, but it's just as valuable that the Miami Dolphins made a move in the running back room to get a guy like Matt Breida, especially with four years of experience 
He's got great quickness. He's a sub 4-4 runner. As you said, he's averaging close to six yards per carry. Uh, he has the ability to make guys miss. And if you take a bad angle on this guy, he is going just to house call you right to the end zone. I mean, that's that's the type of quickness. And you blend him with some of the other backs on, on this roster. I think the Miami Dolphins had to go out and make a move at running back. When when J.K. Dobbins came off the board of the Baltimore Ravens, I, I think I slammed my my – fist down yeah. on the desk as well as the brass of the Miami Dolphins because you know at least in my gut that was their pick yeah that was where the Miami Dolphins were going after letting a couple of guys slide they felt like you know we got to make our move right now there's no way Baltimore's going to take a running back they've already got three on their roster yeah. that have run you know for close to seven eight hundred nine hundred yards a piece you know that's excluding your quarterback that's over a thousand so you know I, I think that I, the Dolphins had every confidence that Dobbins was going to be there and they were going to take him. When that didn't happen, they had to start looking around and, and get creative, and they did with that fifth-round draft choice, sending 153 to San Francisco. And I just think that, you know, you get a guy that has the experience, that can do a little bit of everything. And like you said, uh, we were talking before we, we went on uh, about the makeup of this of this franchise. You get another quick-twitch guy that can make you miss behind some big bodies that the Miami Dolphins acquired in this draft in terms of trying to bolster and build this offensive line. So you, you've got a, a, a meteor back or a tougher straight line back in Howard, and now you've got a really shifty guy to add to that, that backfield. Yeah, I think I just thought it was a really nice move. Look, if you're thinking about it, you give a first or a fifth-round pick, I take my chances with a guy who's been in the league for a couple of years and you've seen him and see what he can do at this level over a, a fifth-round pick, you know, nine times out of ten. So I think they made a, a nice move. There are really not, really not a lot of additions in the wide receiver room in, in the draft. Malcolm Perry, the kid from Navy, comes out. And he's an interesting guy. I mean, you know, they, they, run, that, they run that option. They, they barely throw the football at Navy. But, you know, here's a guy that did a lot of things for him, played a lot of different positions. And, and another one of those guys, it's a high-character guy. You know he's a high-character guy if he's coming from, uh, from Annapolis. Uh, to come in, come in, and, and 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 again, like so many guys that we've seen in free agency in the draft, he's a guy that can play multiple positions and, and do a lot of things for you, and, and really maybe a steal in the draft from a stand standpoint of how you can put him on different players, and Chan Gailey can put him in situations where he can be a mismatch out there, and not to not to and, and forget about that. I mean, the guy's gonna be a great if. He's going to be a great special teams player for you, whether it's returning kicks, whether it's running down the field, all the types of things. Another guy you like to see on this roster. Yeah, how about throwing him in the red zone and run yeah. a little option right down there yeah. for a package or in short yardage? You've got a guy that can do a little bit of everything. You know, you think of Julian Edelman when he came out of the MAC and he was a, a quarterback, and now he's one of the top slot receivers in the league. Uh, Malcolm Perry, maybe. Uh, not as thick, but 5'9", 186. Uh, you know, you're going to go through the possibility of a kick returner, punt returner. You can line them up in the slot. You can do a little bit of everything. The, the one thing you get is is that sudden elusiveness. He always makes the first defender miss, at least when he had the ball in his hands as a quarterback. And he has that, you know, really that real good short space quickness. He makes somebody miss, then he gets up the field, and he's adept at running in the open field. So, you know, you get an athlete. You know, he was a player, uh, offensive player of the year in the AAC last year, and he's a leader at Navy. And that's the type of guy you you want to let hang around and and see what he what he becomes in a in a year or two. No doubt about it. And then uh, you know, nothing, nothing happened in the tight end uh, position. We didn't expect really expect anything to be. It really wasn't that a very deep tight end draft in, in this year anyway. And, and really, no need for the Dolphins at this point. But uh, you know, after Tua, they start building that offensive line. Austin Jackson. You know, you pick him up with his second, uh, that 18th pick in the draft. And, and you know, we talked about it uh, on, the, on the show that evening. 20-year-old kid, a lot of upside. He's played against a, a lot of talented players out, out of, uh, coming out of USC. And, and he seems to have all the skills, John. He, he moves his feet well. He's long. He's thick. He's strong. Uh, and, and I think he just, he, just needs to, he just needs to keep his game growing. And, and to me, he's the kind of guy that, you know, much like Michael Dieter and Michael Dieter, a third round draft pick last year to, to me as an offensive lineman, you know, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of this in school that says, you know what, 
throw them to the wolves. You know, yeah. day one, day one of training camp. You're the starter, you're kid. Up, Let's you're go. You're the starter, and, and you know, and get ready because you're know, you're gonna have your ups and downs. It's gonna be good and bad. But I saw him do it. You know, with I saw him do it with John Giesel when he came in. I saw him do it with Roy Foster. I saw him do it with uh, uh, with Keith Sims, with Richmond Webb. And, and you know what? The, the only way you're going to get better in the National Football League, if you're an expected starter, is to get reps. And, and, and I think you've got clearly Austin Jackson and, and maybe one of those other guys later on in the draft may find themselves, you know, you're starting two, two tackles when the season opens up. Well, I think you're, you make a great point, Bo, about just getting him in and, and telling him, hey, don't look back. Only look yeah. forward. You make a mistake, you're going to have to pick yourself up and correct it and get ready to take the next snap because at 20 years old, you're going to mold an offensive tackle, an offensive left tackle, into what you want him to be in the National Football League. And the good thing about Jackson is he moves like a tight end. Now, he's 6'5", 320-plus pounds, but his feet really move uh, like a, a skilled athlete down on the blocks playing basketball. You know, you want, the more tape you watch about him, he has good lateral quickness and allows him, you know, to get to the second level on linebackers, get outside on screens and outside zone plays and is strong enough to hold his own and pass protection will only get better in terms of that aspect of his game. So I, I really like that pick. And as you alluded to, moving inside, you get huge bodies that yeah. – that you know might have a chance to play right away as well. Yeah, you got Solomon Kinley, the kid they got from Georgia as a guard. Uh, you got Robert Hunt, who can play left left tackle, right tackle. He can play play guard before. But the one thing I see, John, and, and when you look at it, and you, you go back to free agency, Ted Karras that they they uh, that they they bring in, and you know you're, you're looking now at an offensive line that's massive, John, six five, six six, three hundred plus from tackle to tackle, long. Big, strong, and guys that, that can, you know, we're, we're, you, you kind of look at what the, the, the change in philosophy for this football team with the offensive line. They want maulers that can move. And, and I think they filled their roster out offensively on that line of scrimmage with just that from tackle to tackle. Um, I, 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 you know, if, if, if two of these guys can play, if you can find your both your two tackles in there with these with these three draft picks in the offensive line, at the size that they are, this is going to make this group a very formidable group. And 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 I'm not saying they're going to be this type of an offensive line, but they have the physical makeup to be similar to the Dallas Cowboys and what they've done over the years, building that offensive line into just a a line that you look at, you know, oh, geez, this is going to be a long freaking day dealing with these guys for, for 60 minutes. Well, Dolphin fans and, and you and I alike, we, we've been, you know, kind of shouting about the offensive line for years now in terms of, you know, who, who can we get to fix uh, the leaks up, up front? Who can we get to repair and move people against their will along, the, you know, the line of scrimmage? And I think Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley are two massive road graders. I mean, they like to get on a body and punish guys they're going up against. Both of them have pretty good versatility. I think Hunt, as you mentioned, he's played left tackle, right tackle, left guard. Solomon Kinley's been kind of anchored in there on the left guard, but he has played a little left tackle as well at Georgia. Um, I, I just think both of these guys are getting into the personality of what the Miami Dolphins want to be. They want to be a team you don't want to play. You don't want to play along the interior because games are won and lost as much as we talk about quarterback and wide receivers and corners and guys that are rushing off the edge, if you don't have offensive and defensive lines that can influence a game, you're not going to win. And yeah. I think the Miami Dolphins have really looked at the offensive line in this draft and went out and got three guys they feel that are going to be on this roster, hopefully for a very long time, and providing uh, some running room for the running game and, and keeping Tua upright in the pocket. You know, the other thing they've done by adding this, and you look at Eric Flowers and then Ted, Ted Karras adding that to You know what, by drafting, you know, they've created, along with Jesse Davis who returns, you know, they've created a situation where the competition on that offensive line in training camp is going to be, is just going to be massive for this football team. It's going to be a dogfight to find out who, which five guys want to line up. I don't care from, I don't care if it's left tackle, right tackle, center, guards, whatever. It's almost a free-for-all out. They're going to be a free-for-all out there. 
for these guys because if you can't make it at left tackle, hey, maybe or right tackle, hey, maybe you could slide down and get that right guard spot. Or you know, and Michael Dieter coming back, he, he's got a, a third round draft pick last year. He's got to prove that he can get in there and 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 hold his own against these guys. You know, after having a year of of a lot of snaps, a lot of valuable snaps for him to try to get himself better. So you know, I think the the competition that they will they will have created in that offensive line room. Is is gonna is gonna really help this team moving forward, not only this year, but as a, as you continue to to build this football team over the next couple of years. Well, Coach Flo, he, he if he said it once, he said it a, a thousand times in terms of creating competition on this roster to be able to get the best guys playing, and and also Bo to create flexibility along that offensive line. You see what the Dolphins did in free agency with the pieces they selected on defense to be able to have that flexibility with position positional guys playing linebacker, defensive end, defensive end, defensive tackle, being able to have that interchangeable parts on defense. Well, on offense now, you've got guys like Jesse Davis, who's well-established on the offensive line. He started at tackle on both sides. He's played guard. You get Robert Hunt, who's played three positions in this year's draft in the second round. You get a guy like Kinley that could possibly play either side so you you're moving pieces around by creating competition with guys like michael Dieter and shaq calhoun you know guys that are going to be able to come in and say well i've got to fight now for my position and that makes everybody better along the offensive line yeah not only that but not only from your starters but john it it, it gives you that depth that you need you know that that where you've right. got a guy with it we're like if jesse davis is the odd man out you know, that leaves you with a guy that's played in multiple positions in the offensive line. He's played in a lot of games, played in big situations. You know, so so it gives you it gives you the depth there. Uh, of, you know, with whoever those guys are going to be, whoever's whoever's going to be in that second tier of that offensive line are going to have some pretty solid credentials walking in there, which makes you feel good with all the you know. You 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 know, I, I think I think it was new. I think Indianapolis was the only team last year that started all five offensive linemen for the, for the entire 16 game season. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that, that, so, and, and, and much like we saw with the, you know, I don't expect the same, you know, revolving door that there was in that offensive line last year for the Miami Dolphins. I'd be very disappointed if that was the case, but by, by having that situation, you, you've created depth on that offensive line that, that really is going to, bode well for you i think because i think i think with the roster moves you're you're allowed to have an extra offensive lineman i believe you are I believe yes. on the roster going you in are. so so it gives you the opportunity to have that depth and, and with the change in the roster situation to use that depth going forward this year yeah it's going to help because the miami dolphins you don't have to you don't have to you know pick hairs you know in terms of yeah. what you know what position can this guy play because we're only going to dress six today in, in terms of now you have the luxury of dressing maybe eight offensive linemen. So you, you have an opportunity to be able to create depth. You, you don't have to maybe dress an extra tight end because you, in short yardage, you just put another lineman in that identifies and, and you're okay. You know, you're able, you're able to go in and, and do a lot of things formation wise. So I think that the competition that's been created on this roster and you probably have maybe, I think the Dolphins are at 89 and you're allowed to maybe get to 90 and 91 with a, a roster exemption for a foreign player. So you, you're going to be able to get two more guys. This roster this year is going to be loaded with competition at every position. You're going to have your, your starters kind of inked in there in Sharpie, but there's going to be a lot of guys written in pencil because you're going to have a lot of change uh, around training camp and into training camp and into the preseason where you're going to say, well, you know what, I thought that guy was going to start. It looks like, you know, X, Y, Z is going to going to be the starter there. Yeah. You know, uh, moving on to the defensive side of the football, uh, that defensive front seven, John, which was really, uh, you know, gave up a lot of yards rushing. You know, I think what they have, 21, 23 sacks, worst in the league in, uh, you know, last season. And, you know, you needed a, a big improvement there. And they began that improvement with the free agency by getting Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson and Manuel Ogba guys that can come in and, and, and really help out in that defensive front. And then you have three more uh, uh, three more defensive linemen in, in the draft. Raquan Davis, big defensive tackle out of Alabama, and you pair him with the Wilkins and Gottschall in that, that tackle position. Just gives you another big body in there that can play the run well, 
and, and give you a little push for the uh, as far as the uh, the, the pass rush is concerned. And, and then Christian Wilkins, much like Michael Dieter on the offensive side, I thought I thought I thought Christian played better than a lot of people gave him credit for I agree. last year. Uh, a defensive tackle, you know, it's 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 really tough to evaluate a defensive tackle if all you're, you're evaluating on, them on is tackles, tackles for losses, and, and sacks. You know, there's, it, there's it a is. lot of other things that go into evaluating a defensive tackle. So for my liking, I thought Christian Wilkins played very well for this team last year. You get another year of growth in him, and you bring in a guy like Raquan Davis in the middle of the line. Then you bring in a couple of edge rushers, a defensive end, uh, Jason Stobridge out of North Carolina, a true defensive end. And Curtis Weaver, the kid out of Boise State, who's an edge guy that, uh, you know, Boise, they, Boise guys always seem to come in ready to play. And here's another guy that can give you some pressure. So when you look at the, the, what you've done in free agency and then added in the draft, again, John, I mean, it's kind of, we're kind of, you know, kind of beating the same drum. But boy, I tell you, in that, in that front seven, the, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of competition out there, both in the defensive line and, and, and in the, in the linebacker group with, Vince Beagle coming back, Van Ginkle coming back, Jerome Baker, uh, Raquan McMillan bringing in Kyle Van Noy and, and Curtis Weaver and all these guys and, uh, and Vince Beagle. And as I, I think I threw Vince Beagle, but I mean, you get the point. That front seven, you know, again, a lot of competition and some depth and talent that you're going to have out there. And a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys that, that have played a lot of downs. Maybe running down special teams for this football team this year, and for me, that's not a bad situation at all. No, it isn't. And you, you know, we both talked about the size of the offensive line now with the addition of Jackson uh, at the 18th pick and Hunt in the second round, and you get Kinley in the fourth round. Well, Raekwon Davis at six six, maybe six seven, yep. three hundred and and ten plus pounds. That's a huge human. You know, you you stick him in the middle of that defensive front. And you get a guy that has experience playing in the SEC and all those battles week in and week out when you have a conference game. This is a three-year starter. Now, granted, he had his best season as a sophomore in Alabama, but he has rare size. And I think that's where the Miami Dolphins are looking to get guys that have size, but that can also move and be a problem when they start moving and, and starting to use some of that leverage to these players' advantage. You know, he's a powerful man. Uh, that can win and fend off a double team, and that's going to help your linebacking core. That is that are sleek, that that trigger suddenly, and that don't miss much in the open field. So you get a guy like Jerome Baker behind a guy like Raquan Davis, you're in good position to be able to make a play. And, and you throw in the addition of Wilkins in his second year and Gotchow playing at the level he's playing at, you're going to have a lot of movement behind these big bodies. And if you can add a Strobridge or a Weaver, if they can add to the guys that you mentioned in free, into free agency, being able to be on this team and be able to pressure the pocket, as well as Strobridge. He gives you that flexibility that the offensive lineman we talked about, he's played defensive end, he's played yeah. defensive tackle. He can move up and down that defensive front, and he really flashed. I, I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I didn't know that, you know, until the draft that he's, you know, he's right out of Deerfield Beach High School. So you get a guy that grew up, probably is a huge Miami Dolphin guy or a South Florida guy he comes back and he's just going to add to that, to the depth along that defensive line. Yeah. A lot of good stuff there. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the linebacker situation is, is good. Now uh, they go out and, uh, and they pick no in, in the, uh, with the third pick in that, in that first round. Bo, they you know, got us on this pick. I got to say, you, you know, I, thought, I, I, I I, I look. I thought running back. I thought maybe one of those wide receivers. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh, or, or maybe even another one of those offensive tackles that was still lining up there. And, and they they threw his name out there. I'm like, what? what Not what only the did they throw his name out there, when they threw it out there, I was like, where's Jones or Smith? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. That's, you know, I, I I I'm 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 sure I'm a lot like you. As soon as I heard that name, I'm sitting there going. Igmanogamy, Igmanogamy. <laughs> hey, I don't think I. You know, we we had we had our kids kind of helping us out with you know yeah. as executive producers in the house, and when I saw that, I immediately looked and they saw my face and they go, "My dad has no idea how to pronounce his name." <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it. But and, and there's so you go, you go away with that name, but then you go, wow, another cornerback, and then and then you know Brian. Uh, 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 Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores both talked about it because they were asked about 
you know, picking up another cornerback after you go out and you pick, get Byron Jones in free agency. You got Xavier on the other side. You got two of the highest played, paid cornerbacks in the National Football League. And you may have one of the one of the best cornerback tandems now in the National Football League. But you use your third pick in the first round to get another cornerback. And, and both Chris and both Brian said after the draft, when asked about making that pick, they said, hey, look, coming from New England for, for, uh, for Brian Flores and watching up there, uh, the fact that they've always had so many cornerbacks. He said, I came down here with the belief that you can never have enough cornerbacks. And, you know, the way the game is going now, the, the way the passing game is going now, and with the rule changes on defense for secondary coverage, I agree with that. Give me, you know, give me cornerbacks. Give me cornerbacks that play. And you look at the Dolphins. I think, you know, we have, you have Bobby McCain back there as a safety. He can play cornerback. Nick Needham, he can play cornerback. He can play inside. You, you've got a lot. Ken Webster, Ryan Lewis, you've got a lot of guys out there in the cornerback situation that when you come to the nickel and dime situation, now they go out later on uh, and, and they and they do get a, uh, a safety and Brandon Jones, a kid from Texas, you know, to, to provide you a little bit more of that traditional safety guy, kind of a, a hard hitter. But by, I, I, you know, the more and more I think about it, the more I'm becoming comfortable with, you know, give me more guys that can cover and, and we'll worry we'll, and we'll let the front seven worry about, you know, managing the line of scrimmage and, and, and setting the edge on both sides not allowing them to get to the perimeter. Uh, and let's get our cornerbacks out there covering as well as we possibly can. Well, you mentioned position flexibility, and Igbenogany does that. He's played corner. I mean, remember, just like Austin Jackson, Igbenogany is only 20 years old, and he's only been playing on the defensive side of the football for two years. Yep. This was a like a four- or five-star high school wide receiver when he came to Auburn. So you take him with the 30th overall pick, he brings you – you know, exceptional speed and quickness. He's a really good athlete. And when you when I watched a, a couple of films on him, not only is he competitive and strong in press coverage, he, he looks he makes it look like a sparring session out there. I mean, he's 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 a lot of hands. He's a lot of contact. And he'll probably mature into something that is going to be a headache for wide receivers to go up against because of his competitiveness. And Brandon Jones from Texas. You get a guy with experience. He was a three-year starter for the Longhorns. He started 35 career games. He has the ability to play center field. I, I've seen him do that and four interception, interceptions in his career doing that. But in the slot, he showed off his speed not only to be able to cover, but close in the open field on, on a now or a quick screen on the outside or running back dumping it off in the flat. He's able to get on his horse get to the ball carrier or the pass catcher and get him to the ground, which leads me to believe he might be an addition on special teams as one of your guys going down there to, you know, another young guy that you can groom to be on all four teams because you're so deep in terms of how many guys you have that can run and cover right now. And you have that ability on special teams for Jones. Yeah. It's, I think it's a good situation out there. still, when you look at the, the safety position, you got Eric Rowe, uh, you got Bobby McCain, Adrian Colbert, who they resigned, uh, you know, and then you have Brandon Joseph that mix, and 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 you feel pretty good. I, I don't know. I, I just I just kind of like that group, you know. And, and and John, I think the one thing too that when you talk about like like Malcolm Perry and some of these other guys, and then Robert Hunt, and uh, you know, they're you know their their makeup, their character, the type of people they are, they all seem to have that personality um, that. That, that this franchise is looking for guys that were captains on their team, guys that were important on their team, guys that, that you know, that, that are, are more than football players. And they're, 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 they're good citizens. They're good people. And I'm not saying every one of these guys is a, you know, is a choir boy, but you, 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 you like to feel that as you take a snapshot of this football team from a, from a playing standpoint, you go, geez, you know, we got a pretty good running backs. So we got a, you know, we have a, you know, possibly a future franchise quarterback in here. You, you, you built yourself a big offensive line. You know, you've got a, a number of receivers out there. Your tight ends, you know, showed that they could play last year. You've, you've enhanced your front seven. You've really made it tough on that backside with, the, with all the coverage guys back there. And, 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 and on the defensive side, John, there, you know, there's, two, there's two, two parts to pressuring quarterback. It's pressure up front and coverage in the back. And, boy, the Dolphins went a long way – in filling both of those needs to where I would doubt that this is the most sacked team in the foot in the in the NFL next year's next year. 
And I would be surprised if it's the least, the team with the least sacks on defense after what they've done on both sides of the football. So I think when you look at the whole of the team on position wise, I don't think this football team could have strengthened themselves any better than they did this offseason through free agency and then capped off with what they did in the draft on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah, I'm really happy with what the Miami Dolphins have been able to accomplish in terms of going out and identifying veterans that have played in, in a lot of NFL games on the defensive side. And maybe guys that haven't had, you know, four, five, six years experience, but you're able to get them young in free agency. Maybe they were injured for a portion of the year, mm -hmm. like Ogba, who you don't know what you're going to get, but the upside sure looks good. And then you get a guy like Kyle Van Noy that can play multiple positions. I, I think the defense in terms of Byron Jones, adding him with Xavier Howard. I mean, this defense on paper looks a lot better, extremely different than last season when you had a lot of question marks. And then on offense throughout the draft and, and on defense throughout the draft in terms of who the Dolphins selected, it seems like the attention was to the line and obviously getting a franchise quarter, quarterback, number one. But they put a lot of time and effort in building the size of, of our offense and defensive line to be able to create not only competition, but create some suddenness in this team. You know, you don't you want to be able to have the Miami Dolphins kind of roll out on Sunday and go, oh, we're going to win the offensive and defensive yeah. line play. You know, now you've got a question, you know, you, you feel like this team got better on paper. You just hope that these guys are going to be able to mature quick enough to be able to make an impact uh, over the next couple of seasons and then be fixtures on your football team for years to come. Yeah. You know, the other thing is I think they have some nasty on this football team too. You, you look Absolutely. Off, you some of these guys, and you talked about uh, Hunt and, and, uh, and Kindley and, and Austin Jackson and, and just the, the physical nature of the way they play the game. And, you know, you, you want to be known as one of those teams that, you know, when you go, oh, geez, are we going to play the Dolphins? Well, you're, it's, it's going to be a long day out there. You know, well, that, are, that's the way, be... you know, when teams go up and you say, well, I, I got to go play, I got to go play the Ravens. Oh, yeah. I don't want to oh. play the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to go play the Bills. You know, it's going to be a dog fight, right? Yeah. yeah no but, doubt. But when you're, when you're playing some other teams, you just feel like, well, we have to stop their skill guys and we'll be okay. Yeah. You know, the Cowboys are the same way with that offensive line. So that's, that's where the Miami Dolphins want to get. They want to be able to have that two way go where they can run it just as easily as throw the football, and it keeps defenses guessing. And when they're guessing, you have the advantage. So, John, to go, go through the draft, made all these moves. Who were the give – me, give me one or two guys that, that, that were kind of on your list of – doesn't matter what position they played, doesn't matter what, what it was, but guys that you just have watched over the years and say, man, I would have loved to have had – I would have loved to have him on our team. I would love to have this guy on our team. Well, I, I think one of those receivers, you know, that – that's that CD Lamb or, or yeah. Rugs or you know yeah. one of those impact guys that could you know Judy that that really made a difference because there were so many receivers that's where yeah. I thought the Dolphins may go somewhere in the second round or, or at running back you know yeah. any one of those running backs that were left on the board where you had Swift and Dobbins and Cam Akers one of those guys I really felt the Dolphins were going to do something at receiver or running back in terms of going up and grabbing one of those guys because there's the, it was loaded. This draft was loaded with that talent. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you know me, I, I was looking at Jalen Hurts again. I, I just, you know, and, and everyone's jumping on uh, who took him in the second round. Philly. Philly took him in the second round. And, yeah. And I, and I know everyone's going, geez, why would you do that? And I just thought, man, I, I would have loved to see the Dolphins. You know, I just, you know, second, third round or something. I mean, I, did, I just think he's, I just think he's that kind of guy that you're starting to see on, on some of these teams that, that, that like you, like you talked about, you know, getting in the red zone and, and using Malcolm Perry on, on, a, on right. an option. You know, what about using Jalen Hurts, putting him in the backfield, put him in motion, put him in the slot, just do different things with him as well. So I, I was kind of, he was kind of my guy. And then and, and Grant Delpit was the other guy that going into the draft, I said, man, two of the guys that I just, just kind of enamored with uh, in this draft were both of those two guys. So a little disappointed. I didn't see the one of those drop our way, but, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty satisfied with what the with what the Dolphins did over the weekend. Yeah, I am too. And then and you know you you create you thought you created competition with the long snapper with Blake Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. it looks like he's going to be the only guy left standing in terms of 
bringing in a, a long snapper for training camp. Yeah, with Tabor Pepper going in. You figured that was going to happen when, when they brought him in. But uh, I know I saw your piece on him. Pretty athletic guy out there. You know, it's funny because you, you've had I – think, I think since I've been covering the team, you know, you've had Ed Perry. Right. And, and you've had uh, John Denny. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 then you had and that's about it. And you had Pepper for <laughs> you had Pepper for a year, right? And, and, and now if, if if Blake Ferguson is as good as uh, if he's good enough to be drafted, I would assume that he's gonna be here for about another ten or fifteen years until until his minimum wage gets too high for uh, uh, for them to be comfortable with in the, in the salary cap. Well, I can hear it already, Bo. When things kind of straighten out and you're able to kind of frequent you know normal places, everybody gets back to. Uh, you know, your restaurants and all that stuff that AJ is going to be pounding it. You, you even had to go to LSU for our long snapper, didn't you? It wasn't you know, enough that you know, they took 10 or 12 guys, but you got our long snapper as well. You know, it's funny. I was thinking when, 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 we're, when the draft was going on, and I, I was keeping a list of who was drafted, and, but I was also keeping a list, and, and I kind of stopped when, it got to, uh, uh, when we got to uh, uh, Ibnogamy. Um, I, was count, I was counting the, 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 the conference picks. Right, and I think I think by the time we got to Ibnogany, I, I want to say there was twelve or thirteen from the SEC, and another right. eight or nine from the from the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, boy, they just the, the you know you, you look at the quality of those conferences uh, just by just by 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 the numbers of players in the first round, and then the number, I think what did what did LSU have? Fourteen players drafted or something? Yeah, yeah, it was it was in the teens. It, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah, so. Anyway, it was a good weekend, and uh, John, I, you know, I want to, I, I want again, I want to, you know, I want to thank the fans that tuned in for our uh, absolutely, draft, yeah, that uh, was broadcast great. and uh, in the in the pre-draft uh, shows that uh, uh, that you and Travis did were great. I think I thought the information coming out of those shows were good, and, uh, and, and uh, just just want to appreciate the fans for sticking with this football team, sticking with this group, and sticking with us during this uh, these these times of change that we're going through, and keeping yourself safe and, and, and keeping yourself safe, keeping other people safe out there. It's a, it's a, it's a selfish and unselfish thing that you do when you stay home and still got a little ways to go, but you're starting to see the light at the tunnel. Things are starting to open up a little bit. So we're hoping for the best, but uh, I think, you know, if we can all kind of continue, continue on the path that we're doing, stay disciplined with what we're doing, making trying to make everything better then uh, hopefully by the time September rolls around, uh, we'll, we'll get some, some NFL and some college football and, which will uh, will hopefully bring some normalcy back to our lives. Certainly, the draft proved that people want it. I mean, uh, probably the, the 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 television numbers for the draft were off the charts uh, this year, and so um, yeah, you know, I got to give got to give uh, a lot of props to the NFL for being able to put a virtual draft together in a pretty seamless fashion too. You know, it was funny, Bo, that a lot of people you talk to now uh, they thought this version was really good. Yeah. You know, getting to see the GMs and the head yeah. coaches and their families. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, that I know they're they're scheduled to go to Cleveland in 2021, downtown Cleveland. And maybe just having the first round there and then kind of yeah. drawn it back or, 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 you know, maybe day three is back at, at that home setting virtually yeah. because it went so well. Well, it did. And I think you got to see, you know, you got to see the personality of these guys. And, you know, you, you know they're in the war, they're in the war room and you get a little shot every now and then, but. Usually it's pretty tight, but, but to see, you know, to see Brian and, and his sons high five and his daughter in there and, and Chris Greer with the, with his kid, you know, and, right. And, you know, I, I, and, and, and look around the league, everybody around the league, Bruce Arians sitting out in the patio, you know, yeah. which, which, which was, which, you know, if you've been around Bruce Arians, that's the perfect, perfect scenario for him. Uh, I like I like the the Yeti tumbler he had just yeah. to his right hand that was perfect <laughs> no doubt about it. Andy Reid with his with his uh with his you know flowered shirt on and all that stuff so it was uh it, it was a it was really nice and and I think you know what I think at the end you know when you when you heard some of these coaches and general managers that they enjoyed it they enjoyed yeah they did having the opportunity to you know Brian Brian uh, Flores talked about it afterwards the, the opportunity to spend this much time with his family that, Normally he wouldn't, you know, and to be there for the draft and, and having his kids be able to get on the phone and, and talk to Tua and, and this and that. It was just, uh, yeah, it, I don't think it could have worked out under the circumstances. I, I don't think it could have worked out better for the NFL and, and for all the teams involved. 
Yeah, complete success. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the way it looked, the way it felt on TV as a fan watching it, and then us getting to cut in and do our thing, you know, on day one, and 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 just watching it, being a fan at home, and it really brought it. It's what the, really the country needed something to kind of to kind of get it invested in, in terms of breaking up the uh, the monotony of the news of the day, which was always seemed to be. Um, not as pleasant as as you would like because of our circumstances, but uh, it just made a, a a great distraction for for three days. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I also want to thank all those guys that uh, back there from Jeff and Logan and all those guys. That, yeah, those guys that, did, a that, super that job. did all the did all the technical work and and uh, Cassie Kinjemi and Kimberly Bocamp are the two on site producers for us. Yeah, and everybody that got us on the air for that. Uh, what a what a wonderful job they did. And so congratulations to them. Thanks to them and. John, thanks to you for all your all your hard work. Yeah, you were great, folks. Good working with you through that. Really, that was fun. Really enjoyed it, and uh, so we're going to wrap this up, and uh, we're getting ready for next week's uh, uh, next week's uh, audible. Uh, see what that see what that holds for us. But boy, it was it was a great week to have football back and have the action of the draft and everything, and all the different shows, and, and have an audible where we can actually talk about players coming in and what it's going to look like and what this team's going to look like, and all of us to start looking forward to the season. Uh, it's been a pretty darn good week, John. It's been a great week, and it's it's been a lot of fun to to, to kind of focus in on what the Miami Dolphins are going to look like. You know, yeah. you, you get your franchise quarterback, you you build the offensive and defensive lines, you you sprinkle in a corner and a safety and uh, a couple of edge rushers and and a couple of wild cards with a long snapper and a and a quarterback that's going to turn into a running back slash you know probably wide receiver slot. So you have a, a lot of excitement to add along with what the Dolphins did in, in free agency. It's it's an exciting time to be a Dolphin fan, that's for sure. Yep. Good stuff. All right, for John Kajemi, I'm Kim Bocamp for Logan McCall, helping us out along the way. Uh, appreciate you guys joining us, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week.